Football is about the Jimmys and Joes and X's and O's. Blue 58! Check New York Bozo! New York Bozo! 28, Baker Bruce! It's time to get out the chalkboard and diagram some plays. Here's where it all starts right here. Let's play! Gee, money, Christmas! What the hell's going on out here? This is Inside Football with former Colts and NFL coach Rick Venturi. The bye week is over. There's four games left. If the playoffs started today, the Colts would be in Indianapolis in complete control of their own destiny. Heading into the final month of the season, up next are the New England Patriots, the top seed in the AFC, if the season were to end today. It's a monster game for the Colts, who are A, trying to send a message, B, trying to stack wins here late in the season, and C, trying to snap an eight-game losing streak to their rivals from the Northeast. Welcome, everybody, to Inside Football here in week number 15. I'm Matt Taylor with Rick Venturi, who has 27 years of coaching background in the National Football League. RV, what's going on, man? How was that weekend off? Well, that weekend off was really good. I, you know, I think I got refreshed. Uh, I think I'm ready to go here for this championship run. And honestly, things couldn't have gone better for our Colts, you know, just sitting watching. I mean, you know, and I... I I predicted this a long time ago because I see so much balance in the AFC. Mm-hmm. I really believed that the league would come back to us, and as long as we kept grinding away, you know, and, and, and staying above water, that you know we would be in control of our destiny. And here we sit with the month to go, totally in control of our destiny. And and what's really neat about it is, is I think we really will define ourselves here in the next two weeks. You're playing, you know, two division leaders, two perceived very good teams mm-hmm. yeah neither one i don't believe is a you know great great team uh but it gives us the opportunity to you know really to establish ourselves as a big time contender uh as we go into this thing and and so i mean it it, it just doesn't get any better than this really uh being refreshed and going into a four game stretch you know the saturday night prime time game uh, you know, with the Patriots, <laughs> right, I right, mean, it, right. it, I mean, it just really, it doesn't get any better for that than that for the coaches, the players, the fans, all of us. I mean, I just, you know, it's really the anticipation is really going to mount between now and Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, this is like football Christmas. I know Christmas is a couple days away or a couple weeks away, <laughs> but this is football Christmas right here. I mean, there's no game to recap with the Colts coming off the bye, and we, we talked about the state of the Colts last week on the podcast. But right. before we go all in on the Patriots here, Rick, talk about it a little bit. What, what's your confidence level in the Colts with four games left? They're in the playoffs. Like you said, they're fully in control of their own destiny. How confidently do you feel in this team that they can win a majority of their games here in the Final Four? Well, I, I do feel very confident. You know, I've basically now looked at the four opponents – I don't think anyone is not beatable of the four, you know, beginning Saturday night with the Patriots. Um, I think the Colts have um, a bunch of assets. I really do. Uh, You know, great running game. they got a quarterback who's playing lights out. They've got a receiver that's worked into the top ten offensive line. All those things that we like. Um, You know, whether or not we have, you know, the full contingent, we have to prove that in the next, you know, in the next few weeks because – you know, teams are going to take away some of that stuff. You know, defensively, uh, you know, we've shown in spots that we can play really good. I don't think we've played as well totally this year as we have in the past. But 
you know, but who has 29 turnovers? I mean, the 29 turnovers, you know, are just money when it comes to winning football games. And basically that has been our salvation. And I do think that at times that we've played extremely well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, to me, we've had a chance to really look at over, which you don't normally get in December, uh, you know, where you can analyze everything that you got to get better at uh, and, and really just fix what liabilities you have, you know, what vulnerabilities you've had, because, you know, people at this stage going to know you pretty well. So, you know, and, you know, particularly going against Bill, who will get into this in the game plan, you know, a guy that really will uh, attack liabilities. Um, you know, if, if you've had issues, the big thing is fix them you know, and make them strengths before we go in. But I feel very good. I felt very good about this team. I've been frustrated with this team, and I think the three double-digit uh, uh, blown games right. really ha- has affected us because, you know, if it isn't for that, if we just hang on there, you know, our record puts us probably as the top seed. So, you know, I see us as a capable enough team, a talented enough team to make a deep run. I really do. All right, let's talk about it. Let's dive full in on the Patriots. The big picture here, they're 9-4. and four. They have the best AFC record. That's because they are 7-1 and one against teams in the conference. So if the playoffs started today, they would be the top seed in the AFC conference. They started the season 2-4, and four, just like the Colts, but they're on a seven-game winning streak. That's the longest streak in the NFL this season. And what's more impressive, Rick, they're 6-0 and oh on the road this season. They are looking for their eighth number one seed in the AFC playoffs since 2000 under Bill Belichick. Um, they're coached by the legend. Uh, you've worked with them, right? I mean, the third most wins in the history of the NFL, six yeah. Super Bowl titles, more than any other coach in the history of the game. They're playing like they did in the early 2000s. I mean, they got a steady offense, a quarterback that's not turning the ball over, high completion percentage of physical defense, elite special teams, and again, the defense is the best scoring defense in the NFL, allowing just over 15 points per game, um, just over 10 points per game during their winning streak here, seven in a row. Um, so again, you know Bill Belichick very well. You guys coached together in Cleveland uh, in the 90s. Step inside his head for us this week and get us prepared on the Patriots here in the big picture. Okay, on the big picture, you're, you're exactly right on your chronicling what has happened here. Uh, and I think it started, you know, <clears throat> in the off season. I mean, Bill did something that he doesn't normally do. Uh, he went out of the box on free agency. Mm-hmm. He realized they weren't good enough after last year. You know, he made a bunch of position moves that we'll get into, you know, four or five big moves on offense, um, you know, a big one on defense with Judon. Uh, and then the draft was good to him. You know, you know, well, you say the draft comes to you and doesn't well. In his case, he stood pat at 10 and ended up with uh, probably the best quarterback that he could have had uh, for the short term, maybe the long term, but certainly the short term, the most NFL-ready guy for his system in Jones. You know, and then he picks up Barrymore on the second round, a kind of a roll-tie draft. But, you know, I think when he did that in, in, in supplementing his solid core, what that's allowed him to do, and you said it right, is I call it back to the future you know, after kind of the experiment with Cam Newton, you know, and trying to become kind of an NCAA type of running game and all that, you know, when you look at them today, when you look at them on tape, it's like breaking them down in the early 2000s. I mean, they, they've they gone back on offense to that two-headed attack, 
and it's always been there, but now they're really back to it. And that two-headed attack, which I'll get into, is the is a heavy package, which emphasizes run, which we saw last week, and play action. And then the open triangle, which is multiple receivers, open spreads, you know, quick rhythm passing. And, and he carries both of them into the game. It's not like you're going to force one into the other. That's just the way they attack you. In the, and they're going to scratch where it itches. So I've seen that. The kid's at 70%. His QBR is not overwhelming. It's at 14. He's 14th as opposed to Wentz's 6. That's where we have probably the biggest advantage. But you see the similarities which made them so good over the years in the last 20 years. And then right. on defense, you're exactly right. He's really gone back to the 3-4. I will tell you when we get into the must what I think he'll do against us. I'll try to predict it you know, with my feel for him and having been around him. But, you know, they're back to the 3-4, you know, kind of that old two-gapping, and then they'll make it the double sink, and he'll make it some overs. He'll do a lot of other things. But it looks also very much like those early days. You know, getting a guy like Judon was huge because that gives him a a 12-and-a-half sack guy. It gives him a tremendous guy off the edge. And then what Bill has always done – is he's always had multiple-purpose players, you know, guys like Highsmith, guys like Vanoy, and now the safeties and Duggar and Phillips. These are four guys that kind of go under the radar <laughs> statistically, but they're guys that can play so many different positions, it allows him to get a lot of volume so that he may play you with a different grouping than he played Buffalo totally. You have to always keep that in mind. I don't talk about Belichick to elevate him. I talk about Belichick to let you know how he thinks and that you, just because you saw something last week, you can't necessarily, uh, you know, expect that. And then the two things that are always there and I think are there more than ever because they're successful is two things he does really well. He specializes his players. That's why his teams always get better. You talked about two and four. I always said when you play Belichick, you want to play them in the first month because as they go, Mm -hmm. Matt, he finds their roles you know, um, he finds the roles for him. Uh, Myers now, the the wide receiver. You know, he he's he's basically uh, he's basically become um, you know he's he's basically become what Edelman was. You know, the, he he's found it along the way. Specializations of his players, who they are, and they get better. And then the game specific game plan. And you know, that's the the more that you can predict the style he's going to play you in the better off you're going to be prepared. And he will. He will, particularly on defense, he will go to an extreme to take away an asset. That's the difference. People say, well, everybody knows. Everybody wants to take away the best players. And that's true. And so what a lot of people, what most coaches do, is they tweak within their scheme to do that. He will totally change the scheme if he thinks he can stop an asset and make you go the other way. So those those are the key issues going going forward. You know, I, I really believe in some ways that this is one of his best coaching jobs ever. I think when I look at this team, it doesn't knock me out player for player for player, mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. But I, I see this team right now as the whole probably is greater than the parts. Now, that's good in a sense. You know, that normally creates winning. But it also it tells me that if I'm on the cold side of it, I can play with these guys. I mean, there's, it's not like that I'm going to be intimidated 
by looking across at that roster and say that's a better team than we are. You know what I'm saying? So, right. you know, I think that's good news in, in some respects. Again, the biggest thing, as I mentioned earlier in a different context, is know who you are, know who the Colts are, know where your liabilities are, and, and make sure they're fixed. Because I used to tell my staff, when I, after I left Bill and I went to New Orleans for years and we played against them, I would always tell my young coaches, I would say this to them, I would say, now listen to me, okay, if you don't know what your weaknesses are going into the game, you'll find out by the end of the first quarter because that's, <laughs> that's kind of the game-specific attack right. that, that you're going to get. But, you know, the teams actually match up pretty well on my big three. You know, when you look at my big three, uh, you know, the stats, of course, the Patriots are number one in points given up. The Colts are nine. They're in the top ten. You know, turnover differential, Colts are one plus 13, Patriots are three, plus 10. Right. And then when you get to the QBR, you know, Wentz is six, and and, uh, and and Jones is 14. So it's a pretty good matchup when you really look at it. You know, I guess I look big picture. If I look, I always look, you know, I always tell you, when we play a bad team, I look for how could they beat us. And when I look at a good team, how could they lose? They don't really throw the ball that well. They have that attack, but you know, they're, you know, they're like 18th throwing the football. It's not, you know, it's not like they're throwing it just phenomenal like mm-hmm. in the Brady days. And they, they've actually struggled to stop the run, really. I mean, they're 19th on the rush defense both, and that's yard per play. So, right. you know, again, this is, this is a team that we have some assets we can, we can make use of. I want to go back to something that you said before we go to the blueprints. And, and you talked about how Belichick goes to extremes to take away mm-hmm. your biggest asset, whether that's offense or defense, how he changes the scheme completely on a week-to-week basis. Why don't more coaches do that? Do they just not have the, the trust in their players to mentally pull that off on a week-to-week basis going from what they do normally to changing it all together for just one game? Well, in some, in some cases, I'll tell you what's tough because, you know, and even if you're there, sometimes it makes you nervous is you'll put yourself in a tough one-on-one situation someplace else um, you may thin the thin the uh, thin the defense down. I, I'll give you a classic example, and I always kid Tom Moore that, and and you can remember the year I'm sure all Colt fans the the year that they beat them in the AFC Championship, mm-hmm. and they were down. The Colts were down, I think, twenty to three or twenty to six at the half. And you know, at that point, what what Bill was doing was he was stripping his inside defense. He was putting guys on the wide edge. I'm going, to, I'm going to simplify this. He was putting guys on the wide edge to stop Edger and James on the stretch play. And then he was, he was playing his five-man back end, five-on-three receivers. And so essentially he was committing everybody to the edge and five-on-three receivers, and it was working. And Tom Moore came out, Tom Moore, Tony Dungy, however it came down. But if you remember in that game, they, the Colts came out and ran nine plays in a row between the tackles, down 20 to six. Because Bill was inviting you to run inside. Now, see, most coaches won't ever do that. And to the Colts' credit, they did it that day. That day, that day, we right. got them back in the game. I always told Tom that was his finest hour. But yeah, I, I think what what happens is, you know, when you, you know, when you think out of the box, you know, you're going to leave spots on the field vulnerable. And if you're paranoid about that, you'll never do it. And most coaches you know, don't want to get too far out of the box. They pretty much want to stay in their parameters now. I totally agree. I, I certainly never played at, at the NFL level, but, you know, I had defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators that were just 
too afraid to go from from who they are and what they schemed and what they game plan going into the game, and then when they had to change, they just didn't feel comfortable doing it. It's well, you know, one of the one of the masterful game plans, really, I thought he came up with in the coverage end of it, uh, came against the Colts when you know we had Reggie and Hilton, and uh-huh. we were I I think it was a playoff game. I'm not sure, but it was a big time game, and you know, as opposed to what you would normally think, he took his number one corner. And he put him on Reggie, and took away Reggie one on one, and then doubled Hilton all day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just just the opposite of taking your best corner and no putting doubt. him on Hilton. Yeah. He put his best corner on the number two, figuring I can shut him off, and then we'll double. You know, and at that stage, Reggie was the slot; he was the number two, and then right. we'll put the double out here on Hilton, and that was very effective, if you remember back then. It's that it's that kind of stuff that uh, you got to be alert for, and that's why we say. Now I don't, you know, I don't give him too much credit. I mean, if I'm good at something, I'm going to make you stop it. But at the same time, you got to know that you may get into the game where he's going to force you to play left-handed, and you better be ready to how you're going to do that right. and how you're going to play left-handed. And I'll talk a little bit about that when we get into the game plan. All right, let's dive into it. Let's talk about the blueprints and get ready for the Patriots on offense. New England putting up 27 points per game, and on their seven-game winning streak, that number is bumped up to 32 points per game behind only the Colts in that time frame. New England loves to run the ball just like the Colts. They have the sixth-highest run rate in the NFL this season. They're racking up 123 rushing yards per game. Really impressive considering they have a game this season with negative one yards against the Buccaneers, which was a franchise record low. Nice tandem running the ball. Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson and the Pats have rushed for over 100 yards in nine straight games. Mac Jones is the rookie quarterback. He's fitting right in, 70% completion percentage. That's the best number for a season by a rookie quarterback since Dak Prescott in 2016, and he's just the fourth rookie quarterback in the Super Bowl era to lead his team to a seven-game winning streak. So, Rick, what else do we need to know about the Patriots who, under Josh McDaniels, they simply get the job done every single week? Yeah, and what you got to be careful of is thinking that, you know, because they ran the ball all but three times last week at Buffalo, that that's how they're going to attack you. Because the run statistic tells you this is where they're really good. I think the mistake people make is the fact that they believe that they may come in and do the same thing. Now, I think think this team, this Patriot team, is a little – I think they would like to run it a little bit more – than maybe in that 20-year run. But, you know, I still think you have to understand that Bill carries two offensive philosophies into every game, every single game, and he knows going in which one is going to get the emphasis, but if that isn't there, he'll flip to the other one. It's just it's really that simple. And the two-prong attack is this. You saw the one last week. That's multiple tight ends, 21 personnel, 22 last week. It was big 22. He put the, the tackle in 64% of the time at tight end. I mean, they were, they were it might as well have been the single wing 1940. I mean, and they <laughs> pounded out of that eye formation. And, and just remember, they did up to that to us with Jonas Gray yep, because yep. they thought they could run right at our weak side linebacker. And once they got an edge, they did it all day. Yep, over 200 so, yards you know, in that game. And that's, that's the heavy part of it. Mm-hmm. And what goes along with that is the play action, you know, and don't be don't be surprised if he doesn't come right off the bat, give you that heavy look, get you the, get you up there with eight or nine guys, and boom, go play action right off the bat. 
to see if you can handle it on the outside. So you have that heavy offense to contend with, which you and you don't want to let that get going. You just don't want to let it get going because that that could take the pressure off the rookie quarterback. Now the other one, the, the the flip side of it is I call it the open triangle. Now he comes out and you know he could be in four four wides or three wides in a wide and an open tight end or spread. And now that's quick rhythm passing numbers to numbers. Tight ends are going to get the ball. Henry, Johnu Smith. And Myers, numbers to numbers, get rid of it quick, get it inside the zones, boom, 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 right down the field. And they were very successful. I mean, I, I've seen him to have a game where he ran the ball 46 times and the next week against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who he never felt could handle the spread, come out and spread and throw it 46 times. So you, you, you can't get low to sleep by necessarily what they did last week. I've always said the most important thing you can do in preparation – is study how he's played you in the past. How has he played Frank in the past? Or how has he played teams that are similar to you? Because that's the best projection of what it's going to be. You're exactly right. I, I'm not sure the best two players on the team offensively uh, is it Harris and Stevenson. I think they're really good slashers, you know, well over four yards of carry. I mean, those guys can run it. They can run it all day. You saw Harris pop it you know, pop the big one for a home run. No question about that. I, I think they can do that. I think the, 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 the battle within the battle this week, this is two of the best offensive lines. They're going to be battling one another. That's going to be interesting to watch just from a, a, you know, from a coaching standpoint, because they can block the run. They'll put extra big guys in there if they have to, but those two running backs you'd have to contend with. And Bolden is an outstanding third down back in the, you know, in the kind of historically like a white or a falk, you know, somebody like that, he's critical in their third down attack. Then, you know, when they flip over to the other stuff, you know, they got Aguilar in the off season. He's kind of their split end. He kind of is their pitman. Myers, as I said, has become the big catch guy. He's the interior slot, which, you know, has always, you know, been a, a famous part of the Belichick offense with the option routes, the pivots, all that kind of stuff. And then the kid born that he got, you know, from San Francisco, who was kind of an under-radar free agent, is kind of the go-to and gadget guy, kind of do a little bit of everything with him. And then he takes Harry, who was once his number one draft pick, and he's the crackback guy. He seems like me. All he does is crackback. And then two good tight ends now. He went out and got uh, Henry and Johnny Smith. So he's got two good receivers in there. So they're kind of back in, in that sense. Um, and so – you know, I think, and, and this is this is just going to be my, my perception of it, uh, just to get it out there, I think that he'll see our uh, linebackers as athletic but not real physical when you run right at them. So I think part of his offense will be to get a little bit into those multiple tight ends, try to spread that front, spread that over, create a true bubble, and come right after us. So, you know, I think that's going to be critical that we can stop that and then, uh, you know, when he gets into the other offense, the open offense, we have struggled like hell with tight ends and slots. So be on alert for that quick numbers-to-numbers numbers game in that regard. Okay, in terms of the must, all right, first of all, I think that you absolutely have to stop the heavy phase. In other words, if he, if he puts those big guys and 21 personnel, big 22 in there, you can't let them breathe on that, you know. Harris has 745, he's 4.6, 4 Stevenson 429, 
So those two guys could hammer you, and you don't want to let them get the edge. It's not like, well, I want to stop the run to force them to pass. I, I don't think that's the philosophy against this team. But what you do want to do, you don't want to let them get the edge there because then they can methodically take it to you without putting any pressure on the rookie quarterback at all. So you got to be ready to handle that big bubble, and you can't pinch and pirate all day long because he'll, he'll know that. They'll go right to the edge um, in that regard. But number one, okay, stop that running game. Stop that Stevenson. You know, stop Harris. Don't go to sleep on Bolden, particularly on third down. Don't don't be surprised if we get in blitz look and and Bill calls some runs on third down, particularly like third and four or less. So and that's where Bolden is effective. But you know, that's number one. Uh is basically don't let that running game get going. Don't let them get going downhill because that makes it easy for them. I think number two, and this is all involved here, is keep the ball in the box. No explosive plays. Nothing easy, nothing over the top. I don't think it's a great receiver core, but nothing easy by mistake or anything like that. And keep that ball cupped on the running game. You know, as much as they got credit for last week's game and all that running game, it really, it took, what, a 70-yard run, a breakout, to really score. That's the only touchdown of the game. I mean, the rest of it was mush ball, really, but they broke one out. And, and I think if you mm-hmm. make sure that you keep that ball inside and front, you know, both in the passing game and the running game. And then number three, and this is where Eberfluss has to have this team ready, is you got to adapt quickly. you got to go from heavy to open, heavy to open, quickly. And so in that open triangle, and you'll, you'll know it by personnel, they come in and they open up, and now all of a sudden it's spread and it's quick rhythm. You've got to immediately go to a coverage game. you got to go from heavy, boom, to coverage, and the biggest thing you got to do, I talked a little bit about Brady, even though it was a different team, is that these guys in this offense, McDaniels, and now back to Mac Jones, who's at 70% because he's efficient. Mm-hmm. He's an efficient guy. doesn't have a huge arm, but he can pepper you between the numbers. So your zones have to be tight because he's going to get rid of it quick. I, don't, I like playing man-to-man because I don't think they've got great personnel on the outside. But you always want somebody ratting in there numbers to numbers. But you want tight windows. This kid is very accurate. His strength, his smarts, efficiency, and accuracy. What I want to make him do, Matt, I want to make him throw the ball outside the numbers to beat me. Okay, I want him to have to execute, not have anything numbers to numbers, and throw the ball outside. I think that's really, really, you know, really, really important. And kind of know your receivers, just like I said before, number four. Aguilar is the guy they leave on the weak side. If you if you overbalance your coverage, he's the guy they kind of isolate and go one-on-one. Uh, Bourne has become the all-purpose guy. Uh, when Harry's in a game, he's at a tight split. You can almost count on it being a toss crack. I mean, you just can almost make book on it. And I think the key guy really in their passing game is, you know, a guy most people here have never heard of is Myers. You know, he's got 59 catches, yep. and he is that Edelman, Welker, Troy Brown type of guy. That's, you know, as I said, he specializes players. He's in that role, and you got to be really good on him in third in that short to medium window. That's where he's running those options and jerk routes and pivots. And along with him, don't go to sleep on Bolden. Bolden can run the option route out of the backfield. That's his role. So 
if you look at Belichick over the years, the guys that catch all the balls in that part of the offense are the tight ends, and he's got two good ones in Henry and John O. Smith, mm-hmm. the slot in Myers, and then Bolden coming out of the backfield. That's why I've always called it a triangle. It's always those three guys involved. They may get different ways. And then number five is I think we have to get ahead of the count. Stay ahead of the count. Don't get behind in the count because then he can pound you and pressure Jones. We've got to get pressure. We've got to get that front going. That's why you want to be ahead in the count, not behind in the count. And I know this kid is 70%. I know all about his efficiency, but he's still a rookie. What is our signature? We have to win with what we're good at, running the ball and basically getting turnovers. And we have to force the turnovers this week against this kid. I know they're very good. They're a plus 10. We're a plus 13. Let's make that three be the difference this week. But those, you know, those are the critical must, in my opinion, yep. uh, to stop the, the Patriot offense. That's Rick Venturi. This is Inside Football, breaking down the Colts and the Patriots on Saturday night in week number 15. Let's talk about the Patriots now on defense. They are an elite unit on that side of the ball. New England boasts the number one scoring defense, 15.4 points per game. The number three total defense, giving up just over 300 yards per game. And just like the Colts, they've been very opportunistic this season. 26 takeaways, second to only Indianapolis. They have a takeaway in nine straight games. They are especially good in the second half, Rick. In their last five games, they've allowed only three points past halftime. That's unreal to me, and they've outscored their opponents by 90 points in the second half this season, which is a big trademark under Bill Belichick when it comes to halftime adjustments. Um, On that side of the ball, J.C. Jackson, seven picks, second in the NFL this season, 24 picks since 2018. That's the most in the league in that span. And up front, they rely on free agent pickup Matt Judon, 12 and a half sacks, third most in the NFL as of right now, 25 quarterback hits. What else stands out about the Patriots on defense, a very physical unit heading into this game? Yeah, there's no question about it. When you're, when you're number one in the league in, in, in points, and it's, it's minimum, it's, uh, it, it's impressive. And you mentioned something that just brought me back. Honest to God, it just brought me back to uh, 1994 and 95 uh, way back when, uh, but one of uh, one of Bill's strengths, you talk about you know getting stingy in that second half. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I always was impressed with then is he would let you call the game as the coordinator, whether it was Saban or myself. He would let you call the game, but somewhere early in that game, sometimes first quarter, sometimes second quarter, definitely by halftime, he would come up to you when there was a break, and he would say, this is the way he would say it, he would say, this is it meaning this is it today. This is who they are today. So we've had the game plan. This is what we were, went in with, but this is what you need to do now. He was really good at kind of dissecting that. And, you know, he does that on offense with McDaniels, too. You can see him having those powwows at certain times, and then you see the emphasis change. And I always said that was one of his strengths, was adaptability, and that's one of the things you've got to be ready to do on offense. Right. You're exactly right. It's back to the 3-4 in terms of the three-man, three-down linemen. Um, very similar uh, to Tampa, uh, you know, with Judon on one side on the edge and Van Oy on the other side. And then it's, it's Highsmith and Bentley inside in their 3-4 uh, operation. Now, I would say this, when they're in the 3-4, it's kind of a two-gapping. Sometimes they'll shade inside with the ends. 
But Bentley is the guy. Bentley is the best run player they got. I mean, he will attack the run. So when you're running the football, you've got to get your hat on, on, on Bentley. He is the best run player there. Obviously, the best pass rusher is Judon, and he can be on either side. He could be on the right or the left. Uh, he's basically, I, I call him the will in their defense with Van Oy, the Sam. Uh, but he, in nickel situations, will be, and he will always be the edge guy. You're exactly right. The other guy that makes him go is Jackson. Jackson is a guy that's really come from, you know, undrafted free agent. I mean, seriously, and he's come to be a premier guy. You know, as you said, seven interceptions and 17 passes defended. You know, so, you know, he's going to be the guy that he's going to match you know, in my opinion, it'll be Pittman. I mean, I, I he will match, uh, you know, Pittman one-on-one. Bill had a comment about him last week, and, you know, Bill said, in essence, he said, you know, if you, lay, if you let garbage land out on the field, <laughs> Jackson will pick it up. You know, in other words, he gets his hands on balls, fumbles, all that kind of stuff. He's kind of he's there, there to Leonard in terms of just getting it out, getting balls and things like that. So th- those are critical guys. And then – I think two guys that kind of go unnoticed is Duggar, the safety, and Phillips, who's the safety. And sometimes those guys are multi-purpose guys, and it gives them the volume. You see them in what I call a double sink a lot, like Tampa plays. And, and you know, sometimes that's Duggar up there. Sometimes that's Phillips. Sometimes it's Duggar on the edge. And what that does to you with all these, um, you know, hybrid players like Benoit and, and you know, like Highsmith and Duggar, and Phillips, it allows them to give you a lot of looks and play you differently from week to week. You know, you know, sometimes they'll be in a, you know, you think it's a nickel, but it's a three safety defense. I mean, you, you'd have to look at it. Now, to me, the important thing is that you simplify it. Don't worry so much about the personnel makeup. It's going to be either a 34, it's going to be some kind of over, which I call overload. I think it will see that. And then, you know, it's going to be that double sink like Tampa. So, you know, I mean, those are the critical things. Then when you get to third down, you got to be very alert. They like a lot of what I call Delta, a lot of 32 with, you know, in that situation, they'll, you know, they'll have a Highsmith and Van Oy inside of them. Highsmith is normally the rusher, but they'll bring them both. They like a lot of third down. They like, I call it the illusion of blitzing. They'll get in the double sugar. They'll get in that three-two. They'll bring uh, they'll bring those two linebackers, but then they'll drop guys out. They'll drop guys out because those outside guys are outside backers, so they can they can rush you and play a normal zone. So you gotta you gotta understand a lot of their blitzing is an illusion. Now, what isn't an illusion, and you gotta be ready for one thing. Bill has always had, and uh, I got it from him. Used it in New Orleans. Is he has a system of audibles versus spread he has a system of playing spread so if you get in spread don't be surprised if you don't get a zero blitz he calls it rain and sleep uh early in the game and that's a that that can be an audible it's also a call and the one thing they'll do if the game's on the line and and they're and they're particularly around that red zone uh you know bill's not going to sit there and cover he's, he's going to come after you so you know you got to be ready for that okay you know when I, when i look at them you know, I think the two key issues, uh, I think there's, there, well, there's three key issues. Handle the volume without without getting overly nervous about it. 
I think he'll give you two looks, three looks to stop the run, okay? I think he'll give you the 34, which looks with the four-man line, I mean with the three-man line and four linebackers, and I think he'll play it straight up or he'll shade inside. Then he'll go to the double sink like Tampa, bring those guys down, cover it up, let those linebackers run, bring Duggar up to the box, you know, and try to stop the run. And then a defense that he will bring from the pass, and this I know him, he loves what we call an overloaded 4-3. He'll put the extra lineman in there, and he'll overload you to the tight end and then let, put the linebackers weak and drive that safety. We call it three buzz down in there. So if I'm getting ready for him, I'm working against those three things. Then a couple other things, you know at the end of the day, he's going to try to get Judon matched on, on, on Fisher. Fisher's boat is taking some water, uh, and, and basically he struggled with some of those guys. He's going to try to create that matchup. You know, I believe that he will play a lot more man against us. I don't think he'll overly respect our receivers. He'll stick Jackson onto uh, Pittman, uh, you know, and go from there. So I think, you know, those are key issues look for in the game. Uh, and I know what he's going to do. I know what he, I know the discussion he had Sunday. He had the defensive staff in there on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had his big yellow pad with about 5,000 things on it and red pencil. And he and he told them this. He told them this. He said, one, number one, Taylor cannot beat us. Number two, get he will say, get Pittman on third down. And number three, don't let Wentz scramble. And he, and then he'll say, and I don't want to have this discussion on Sunday. Okay, which means you go in as a defensive staff and you better try to get that done. So you know this may be a game. It may or not be. I don't think. I don't think they're as talented, even though they're similar to Tampa. I don't think they're as talented on defense. I think you can be a little bit more patient right. running the ball than we were against Tampa. Uh, and then at the same time, though, uh, you know, others, you know, guys like Doyle, guys like Hilton, guys like Doolin, you know, Pascal, others have to have be ready to have big-time games in this game. It's just simple that way. So, you know, when I talk about, you know, when I talk about the must against their defense, the first thing I say is I think we have to make them prove they can stop Taylor. I, I, you know, I don't think, as I said, I think they'll play us like Tampa. I don't think they're as good as Tampa in the front seven. So I think we can be a little bit more patient. I don't want to run it into the wall with China, but I think a little bit more patient. I think we need to check with me run, you know, which, is, which are not RPOs, but check with me runs at times. Which you know, if it's three four, you want to you want to run right inside. If it's double sink, you want to go off tackle to outside. And if it's an over, you want to come weak. It's it's kind of simple that way. And I think that's how you keep smart runs going against them. Uh, and again, don't be discouraged. You know, if they make some plays early, stay keep a little patient against them. You know, at the end of the day, they have not that. You know, they're 19th in rush defense. So. You know, listen, I, I wouldn't put them in the same level as Tampa. Now, strategically, I would study Tampa and I would study the Jets because those two teams right. yep. probably did the best team, the best job of stuffing our running game and taking Taylor away. So, you know, in, in a sense, I think that's, you know, that's exactly what you have to do. Okay. All right. Number two. Okay. Number two, I think you really want to attack their corners on first down because. No matter what that front is, there's going to be a bunch of single high coverage um, on that first down, uh, whether it be man-to-man or cover three. 
There's going to be a bunch of single high. And, you know, I think you can get after those corners. Um, you know, again, I think Jackson will match Pittman. And I think the biggest key this week, I think a guy that needs to come in and have one of his vintage games is Hilton because I think Mills on the other side is if they have a liability, I think it's on the other side. And I expect that I, I think Hilton, Hilton has looked good the last two weeks. I want him to come out with a week's rest and have a great game as well as throwing the ball inside. So I think you've got to attack that on first down. On number three, you got to make sure that Judon is protected. I mean, this guy is an elite rusher in the league, no question about that, an elite guy with 12 and a half sacks. You know, we know we've had some problems, particularly on the left side, but he's dangerous on either side. So, you know, at the end of the day, we don't want to come back and say, well, Judon had a big game on us. He's good. No, we know he's good going in. So let's make sure that we have schematically we take care of him. If it means chipping him, if it means putting the tight end over there, whatever. But I don't think you want him to ruin the game. Uh, number three, I think you got to really – or number four, really be ready for a sticky man-to-man game. One of the things he likes to do is, you know, this is the extreme part of it, is commit the eight, commit the eight, and sticky man-to-man with a good matchup. Uh, and, and I think it's really important – that we're ready to win man-to-man, that we can get in our stacks and our bunches and our crossing routes. And the one thing I would do, I would line up Pittman in a stack a lot and make Jackson play him through traffic, if you know what I'm saying. Don't let right. – just don't line him up there and let Jackson come up, in, you know, and do a number on him. Yeah. You know, and get, reroute get him, take him away. Release, right. You know, make him, make him have to play through traffic mm-hmm. in that sense. And then, you know, handle the third down volume. It, it isn't anything you've, you haven't seen, you know, and they're pretty predictable on short yardage situations. It's going to be a lot of man or what I call three Mabel, which is a zone, but like man, you know, and then they're going to give you a lot of that three, two stuff, um, you know, where they, you know, in that double sugar and they're going to bring those inside guys, particularly high Smith a lot. And then high Smith and Van Oy that bring those guys a lot, you know, but at the end of the day, it isn't a lot of all-out blitzing. It's it's illusionary type blitzing that bring. I call it, you know, I call it uh, uh, blitz, bluff and blitz and blitz and blitz and drop, and you'll see a lot of that. And again, alert if you're in spread, alert that sleep call, alert that audible to uh, audible to to blitz. I always thought one of the good things against him was to line up and spread, let him call the audible, and then bring the back in and have a run or something called that gashes it. But I mean. Mm-hmm. Those those really are the are the key things as I see them. Well, like you said, everybody thinks the Patriots are going to sell out and take away Jonathan Taylor, right? Twenty eight can't beat us. That's the motto of uh, Bill Belichick when he meets with the staff this week. And you talk about how the defensive line is going to shade to the strength of the, the the Colts offense, right? Move the defensive line when they have four defensive linemen in the game to the tight end side. So, with that said, do you think this is going to be another steady dose of RPOs? Is this a high RPO game? just like we saw about three weeks ago against Tampa? Well, you know, I would rather it be more of a fixed game, to be honest with you, fixed calls. And I would, I would rather it be check with me runs because what's going to happen, here's what's going to happen. If we go to a big RPO game, you know, and I can, I can almost say this for any team, much less the Patriots, if you, if you call 10 RPOs on first down, it'll be 10 passes. Yeah, so, right. you know, by doing that, you know, the, 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 you know if you, if you want to be critical – in the in the Tampa Bay, which I'm not, you know me, I'm not on that, I'm not on that wagon. I thought it was undue criticism on Frank, but 
if you want to be strategically critical, you say, if I want to keep Taylor going and I want to be more patient against the Patriots than I was against Tampa, then I want more call check with me runs, not run to a pass, if you follow what I'm saying. Like, Mm -hmm. I think you can check with me based on the front and have the best run call, but you have to check with me. I mean, if they're if they're in a double sink, you don't want to be running an inside zone. You want to be running an outside zone or a toss. So what you want is a little package of runs so that Taylor stays in the game for you. You follow what I'm saying? Yep, I, exactly. I, if you go RPO all day, it, it, you're going to throw the ball every day, and then you're going to, you know, you know, are you good enough? Well, you know, it wasn't successful in Tampa. I don't, I don't say never do it, but you know, I'd rather, I'd rather go in there and call my plays. You know, both run and pass. You'll get a very good look, probe him early. You'll get a very good look at what he wants to do within that first quarter. All right, coaching layer to this game, right? We've got Matt Eberflus against Josh McDaniels, and we all know the history there. McDaniels leaving the Colts at the altar, having already put three different assistant coaches in place with the Colts, including Matt Eberflus, and they're going to match wits on Saturday. So, Rick, I know both guys have sort of downplayed it and they're saying the right things inside the media. I understand that. But I like to talk to you about these types of things because you've lived these things. Don't tell me this is not something that Matt Eberflus is not thinking about this week. How much extra motivation is there this week for Coach Eberflus in this game against the Patriots and Josh McDaniels? On Saturday night. Well, I've always I've always said to you, yeah, I, I've never shied away from this one because, and maybe I was emotional in my life, but whenever you have an attachment, whether it's good or whether it was bad, I mean, both of those guys want to have their best foot forward this week. McDaniels wants it against us because he's taking a lot of heat for it. Yep. And you know, you know that Matt wants it on the other side of the ball. What's going to be interesting to me is, is that, you know, Matt can come up and normally can come up with a good plan for a heavy running game. Okay, I, you know, it's not, it's not perfect. We haven't been quite as good this year. But if you look historically, his strength has been coming up with a good plan for when I call heavy runs, when, you know, teams are in those multiple tight ends. We have normally been very strong there. And I think they know that. So to me, what's going to be more interesting is when they go wide open, how do we handle it, and how good is the quarterback? You got what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. right now he's a very solid, efficient guy playing very well, you know, but he's still a rookie. I mean, this was, you know, they ran that offense with Tom Brady for 20 years. So, you know, this is, this is one we're going to look at and we're going to see it. And I, I think Matt will come up with a solid plan against that heavy stuff that our Waterloo against good teams now, against good teams in the last, not just this year, but over the course of time, pass defense. have been accurate passers and accurate passing games. Right. So, you know, that's, and, and so to me, you know, Bill is a student of history. He watches you over four years, not just one game. I'm going to be interested to see that phase of it. But as far as the emotional aspect of it, oh my God, those guys are going to be good. But the other thing is just everything's at stake here. I mean, we're, we're sitting here in the last month with <laughs> the it. top seed, right. and now the sixth seed. I mean, you know, the, everything in the world is on top of it. You know, I don't know. You don't. I don't. I don't know what rivalry means, but 
there certainly is bad blood there. So, I mean, it, it, it gets as good as it can get. No doubt about it. I can't wait, dude. This is going to be a fantastic game. I mean, like you said, Saturday night, prime time. Most people have Sunday off. The tailgating is going to be in full force. <laughs> and it's the Patriots. I mean, eight straight losses to New England. Uh, you know, that, that rubs the fan base the wrong way. I know the, the Colts players themselves, most of them haven't been here all that long. So that's ancient history to them. They've had nothing to do with that. But, you know, four games decided by 20 points, two games decided by 30 points in this stretch. Uh, you know, it's this is really, I think, in terms of football, Christmas come early because of the, of the rivalry and what this game means for the Colts. I know it's a big game for the Patriots, but the Colts need a win at the end of the day, despite who the opponent is. But it's going to be extra sweet to get a win against the Patriots potentially coming up on Saturday night. Yeah, this is this is playoff survival for us. There, there's no question about it. I think it's very winnable. As I said earlier in the discussion, I think their hole is greater than the parts and that makes them both good yep. and both vulnerable. I don't think it's a great Patriot team. I think it's a team that's playing very well, superbly coached, playing efficiently. I always say this, play the man, play not the myth. Play the man, not the myth. And in that sense, I believe the Colts are the better team. You know, I think, and I think Frank has said it very, very well. You're, you're, it's always about the next week. But this is the top seed. Whether you want to use rivalry or not, this is the number one seed. You know, and, you know, I think more than anything else, and this is just my pride, and Frank has actually said it in his own way, this is the test to this week and next week, is are the, are the 221 Colts the best in mediocre class, yep. like in auto racing? Yep. Are they the best in mediocre or – are you the best in football? Are you the team that can win in big-time football? Yep. And that's where you define yourself this week and next week, and this week especially. This, you know, worry about next week, next week. This is the one. This is the AFC battle right mm-hmm. here. Couldn't agree with you more. Well said. And I've, I've said that in a different way for a lot of the season when you go back to those disappointing losses that the Colts had when they're up by double figures and, and couldn't close those games out. We'll see if they can rectify that in these next two weeks against some pretty elite competition in New England and Arizona. It's going to be an awesome game. I think the uh, the entire country is going to get a good treat coming up on Saturday night. That's why they moved the game to primetime on a Saturday in week number 15. Fantastic breakdown as always. Rick, we'll see you on Saturday night and uh, rest that voice and be well. And let's go, man. This is it. I want you to rest that voice because I want to hear a lot of INDYs. I'll tell you that on, on, on Saturday night. I can't wait. So we will we will both be punked, and I won't be able to talk before the game. But that's all right. I'll talk once. <laughs> I know. You usually go mute before a big game, and I respect that. You get in the zone just like your old coaching days, and you've got, you've got your process. I've got mine, so it's awesome. <laughs> all right. Okay, partner. You got it. Rick Venturi right there. I'm Matt Taylor, and that's the best breakdown of the Patriots you're going to find anywhere heading into a monster game here late in the season. We're back at it next week talking about the Cardinals. But until then, enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll talk to you on Saturday night on the radio, Colts and Patriots. And this has been Inside Football here on Colts.com and the Colts mobile app.